0: Skytown, welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic is your co-host and Jeopardy contestant,
1: Chris Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't wear the hat on purpose. I, I wore it because I was wearing this shirt, and my shorts are black. And I was like, I should match something. I can't just match nothing. So, uh, not bragging, but hey, man, good to be back on the show
0: as always. Oh, man, I'm so excited for your Jeopardy! appearance tomorrow. We're going to talk about it. I hope you realize that on the next show when we do it, we're going to talk about it because I know the people of the Skyhook podcast want to hear your thoughts about the whole experience. <laughs> but, Chris, oh, my God, man. I mean, it's just so crazy to say the words out loud that the WNBA season is over. But, man. I mean, wow. right now, the Las Vegas Aces are going crazy at their – parade right now i mean asia wilson had the tweet of the day she broke the internet about four locos uh i mean oh my god i just i almost vomited when i saw that tweet (laughs) (laughs) too close to college man way too close to college
1: it was too much (laughs) to think about
0: oh my god i just can't can't think about that or the cheapest vodka you could buy in iowa city no not for me man not for me (laughs)
1: Oh, we I, I don't know what i don't know what it was for you but I, I recall buying some brunettes when i was on a budget like extremely on a budget and everybody else at this party it was for a party that's what it was and everybody else refused to drink it out and out refused and so i was stuck with this brunettes for so long and i i would just like take i was working third shift so I was 11 a.m. this 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And every time I got home in the morning, I would take like a shot or, or like pour some. with. It was a screwdriver. I would have a screw tracker and then go to sleep just so I could get rid of this foul ass alcohol. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For me, it was Hawkeye vodka in New Amsterdam. And Hawkeye vodka oh, no, I is so, something you yeah. can get in Iowa City. It was pretty much poison. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not what they're drinking at the parade right now because the Aces uh I'm pretty sure Mark Davis came through for them on an alcohol perspective there. So but they're the 2022 champs, man. They're the 2022 champs. And I mean, I predicted before the series that Chelsea Cray was gonna win MVP and that this would go for. And I don't think that is necessarily. I mean, it's not, I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging by that. I meant that I think that overwhelmingly people had the Aces maybe dropping one and then winning the rest of this series pretty handily. I wouldn't necessarily say that it came to that, though. Like, I thought that the Sun really put up some resistance against the Aces, which you got to give them credit for that. but. What did you make of this series, man? Like, did you feel pretty confident that the Aces were going to come in and just wipe the floor with the sun?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I called a – I didn't call a sweep. I was really trying to think back about it a second ago. Like, did I say a sweep, or was that just, like, me being like, oh, salt? Some of that was probably salt if I ever thought in my head, like, oh, they're going to get swept. But, I mean, we, we watched what happened in the in the playoffs – Connecticut had to get go to elimination twice in two different series, three times total before the finals. And one of those games was a game against Dallas. Uh, one of the games to get there was a game against Dallas where it was just like, "Ugh, that is a stinker of a performance. How is this team going to rebound? And so they were kind of playing with house money. They were, we, all the things that we talked about at the press conference amongst ourselves, they have expiring contracts. Their coach's job is, un, is unsure for next year. And so I think once they got to the playoffs, it was just like, well, let's, let's go. And come what may, let's, let's see what happens, as DeWana Bonner said. Now, once they got to the finals, I'm pretty sure that the Aces were penciled in as the winner, maybe even a erasable pen for anybody out there who, didn't, who felt even more confident. And even after they, they won going away in game three, I still felt confident that they could not win three straight. Yeah. Now, they were, um, Connecticut was, no, they were down by two and a half in game four. And I was kind of worried, like, oh, it's going to go down to the last possession and the last few possessions because Connecticut has been out of the ordinary at their best when they can keep it close down to the last two or three. But, oh, Oh, boy. Even even on that ridiculous flagrant foul call, Raquana Williams buried them. And I don't know if I saw that coming. I don't know if you saw that coming of all the heroes that they've had this season, primarily in their starting lineup for Raquana Williams to microwave off the bench and hit three big shots in a row because it wasn't just two. She hit those two threes, but she hit a she rattled in a jumper, I think, to seal the game. Yeah, that was nuts
0: that was a situation where we talked about the aces not having the bench depth to win a WNBA title yeah and there it was they just needed one more person with that small ball lineup with raquana williams to step up after really struggling this year man she struggled she did straight up and they paid her a lot of money it looked like it you know, she was battling injuries, obviously, but it looked like, okay, you know, that might've been an overpay when you're already paying someone like Kia Stokes over a hundred K as well. I mean, to have two plus 100 K contracts on the bench, I mean, that's just a lot, honestly. And obviously the way that they constructed the roster and ended up working out, they were able to have some depth towards the end of the year, but like I didn't expect Raquana Williams to do this. I had kind of thought like, okay, it's just one of those seasons for a bench player. Kind of like how Rebecca Allen, I mean, she had two concussions, but she just had one of those seasons. Kind of same thing with Simi Whitcomb, where it's just like, you can't count on this player in the same way that we could the year before. And give Raquana Williams that credit. I mean, I know, look, obviously when we talk about Raquana Williams, we got to talk about what happened when she was in LA regarding domestic violence. That is something that when it comes to the discourse that or or if we're just talking about what's happening on the court. I mean, I didn't expect this from Aquana Williams. I didn't expect that Kelsey plum was going to shoot under 30% from beyond the arc, this entire playoffs. And you just have to give all the credit to Asia Wilson and Chelsea because, Oh my God, what they were able to do, even when they were running on low, this team ran out of gas towards the end of the game. Like, Asia Wilson was tired. Yeah. So they needed someone to step up, and it just happened to be Raquana Williams. Yeah,
1: I think what you were saying at the beginning of the season and throughout the majority of the regular season was starting to come to fruition. Las Vegas was, was, was running out of gas. They were kind of going on fumes. Uh, Kelsey Plum, was. it just seemed like she was finally slowing down somewhat. And some of that was due to Connecticut and their defense, how they were allowed to play defense, the schemes that they put out, and they finally utilizing their uh, big lineup, I think, to its best ability. One thing they, they couldn't do, and maybe you know, we thought, why aren't they putting John Quill Jones in? Maybe it just wasn't the ideal situation for them to put John Quill Jones in, in semifinals. As I say that, it sounds preposterous when you're coming off of the most valuable player award and first team All-NBA selection but maybe they saw something where they didn't feel like John Quill Jones was as effective against the sky and their um, their rotation as they were against a Las Vegas team that ran a short bench and was somewhat undersized. That being said, oh, they, they got what they needed to from Chelsea Gray um, in games one through three and Raquana Williams did step up big. I don't think that we'll ever see a team like this again in terms of just pretty much playing five and six, a majority of the five or six players, the majority of the season in um, significant minutes and winning a championship in as dominant of a fashion as they did. But it was something to watch. I'll tell you that much. It was really something to watch Las Vegas operate this season.
0: Totally, man. And it's crazy because I just felt that there was a lot of negative energy coming from them, not like from like within the locker room, but from people talking about them just in terms of how much their defense was breaking down before the all-star game and how, again, we were talking about the bench since the onset. Asia Wilson played 37 minutes per game in the finals. 10 years from now, she is not going to be able to play 37 minutes (laughs) per game in the finals. You know, like this team is going to need to add to like uh, needs to add around its core. And they've already done a great job with already penciling in Jackie Young to a contract extension. Same thing with Kelsey Plum, Derek Hamby, Asia Wilson's an unrestricted free agent after next season, but the Aces haven't cored her yet. So they have two years to be able to core her at least. So that's why it felt so odd that she agreed to a contract. Uh, I believe she had like a contract extension Lined up and forfeited the chance of being cored so that, like, she could have been like to reduce the amount of time she can be cored in the future heading into this year. Worked out well for the Aces. Asia Wilson could definitely recoup that money. But um, at the same time, I think it becomes more interesting when we talk about the Aces becoming a potential dynasty because. They haven't done it yet. You still have to win another one. You probably have to win another one to be considered a dynasty. But like they're lined up to be able to become the next one. And I think it's an interesting conversation just given how young Asia Wilson is. I mean, I think she's only like 26 years old.
1: Um, oh, and it's, and it's check, I'm trying to find the, I think when we talk about dynasties in WNBA history, it's, it's it's almost unfair because that measuring stick is the first Houston Comets teams that won four straight. And then, you know, the Sparks went back to back after that. Detroit won two in four years, uh, three in six years. Phoenix won twice in, in three years. And then you kind of have Minnesota in the early part of the 2010s or, or like going from mostly the 2010s, I really, I really say so. I think if you're talking about dynasties, it's hard to figure out exactly how to measure that. Is it winning you know, multiple championships in a row? Is it winning like four championships in a decade? Is it winning this many over this span? So there's, there's potential there. It's, it's hard because one, you have to do it so many times in such a short span. You have to do it with a rotating cast of characters plus maybe one or two franchise players of which Asia Wilson could certainly be if Mark Davis and the Aces play their cards right? No pun intended, legitimately no pun intended. That's just how I would say it. <laughs> and then, you know, changing landscape of the league itself, which didn't have to worry as much about the salary cap questions and um, con- competition with overseas leagues, as well as just the outside external factors and social justice and the economy at large as the league did, but uh, they, they didn't have to worry about that in the late 90s, early 2000s, as much as they do now. So it's, as, as much as it's, it's good to talk about, it, it's hard to really think about the aces, I think, winning two or three in a row or even winning like three in six years or three in five years, like those Minnesota teams did, like, the, the, like that Detroit team did uh, so, far, so long ago. That's tough.
0: It's definitely tough. And when you talk about quantifying a dynasty or like trying to figure out what are the parameters of to become a dynasty, being able to call yourself that. I've had this conversation recently regarding the Golden State Warriors with some of my MBA friends. And after having that conversation, this is kind of where I come across what my thinking is when trying to define a dynasty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You win, I think you win like three or four championships in a span of, like, seven to eight years with the same core. Like, I believe that the San Antonio Spurs, so using, an, like, an NBA example, when they won, what was it, like, 2004, 2007, and there's another one that I'm missing in there with Tim Duncan.
1: Oh, they, they were the odd-year um, champions, so it was… Right. 2003, 2005, and 2007.
0: And then they won again in 2012? 14, Yeah, 2014. Good call. I still think that's actually, I think you can make an argument that is still a dynasty because they were able to keep the same core together and they won four chips together, right? Like I do think that when you look at it from the core and what the core has been able to do, and I also don't even just mean that from a player perspective. I mean, like the coach, like the front office, like when you, or like I look at, the golden state warriors, they were able to win another championship with the same core that they had before. And obviously minus Kevin Durant, let's not make this an NBA podcast. But when you look at uh, just because there's a bigger sample size in the NBA compared to the W that's kind of where my mind goes. And it's so hard for me to look at this ACEs team that again, is just really well constructed over the next couple of years, contract wise and think, this team doesn't have the potential to become a dynasty. They have to win more championships in order for us to even ha- like be able to continue down this road. But I do think it's an interesting conversation when you look about what Asia Wilson just did on both ends of the floor this postseason and the regular season, obviously, but like what she was able to do defensively, even as her defense kind of waned a little bit as the series for the finals progressed again, like those last three minutes, she I mean, she looked exhausted out there running up and down the floor. But they needed her out there. I do think it becomes more of a conversation, though, when you look at, like, okay, Kelsey Plum didn't have her best series. Jackie Young also, I mean, again, offensively, didn't necessarily have her greatest – like, at least didn't perform at her peak because we have saw what she can do when she's playing and firing at all, at all cylinders. It also makes me think this guy – potentially could have won this series given that fatigue. Oh no doubt.
1: Yeah. You
0: no. Know? Do I, there I any still think they should have or... won that. No, go for it. What were you about to say?
1: I still think they should have won that series. Uh, I think that was pretty, pretty apparent. I just I still think that they should have won that series. It was right there. They were up to one. That's all I had to say. I i was just agreeing with you uh, slightly more forcefully.
0: Yeah. No, I mean if they're able to get past Connecticut and they played this version of The Aces, again, like outside of those first two games, like it just felt like they were running on low. And Chelsea Gray is Chelsea Gray. She did everything that she needed to do in order to will her team to a championship. But watching this series, especially the last two games, I'm like, man, (laughs) this guy's front court depth paired with, again, Kelsey Plum, just not finding the bottom of the net in the way that she did in the regular season. Derek Hamby being injured. You can't tell me that even with the, this, some of the sky's faults that they had, they didn't really answer literally. I mean, again, not being able to close games the way that um, we thought that they were going to be able to come playoff time and hit that next level. And we saw a little bit of it. We saw snippets of it, obviously, against New York and against Connecticut too. But, man, when I just look at this finals, it's going to be hard for me not to look back and think, man, I think, the sky could have won this series if they were, if they put themselves in this position to take on the Aces. But, you know, that's what it's crazy. That's what sports is, man. We'll just never know. And that is the haunting part of it that will destroy you as a fan. And if you're a storyteller, like, it's also one of those things where it's like, man, there's just so much of this onion that just never got to be peeled back. And uh, it's tough. It's tough, but. I'm rambling now. Chris, is there anything that you want to, in terms of the finals or even the dynasty talk that you want to discuss before you move on?
1: Yeah, I want to go back. Just I, I looked back in the history books, and I think we have our, our measuring stick recently for a dynasty. It's that Minnesota Lynx team. Absolutely. Yeah, to win four in eight seasons. And when you're talking about keeping the same core, they had Maya Moore, they had Lindsay Whalen, they had Simone Augustus. And I think for everything but the 2017 championship, they had Rebecca Brunson. No, sorry, that was her last, I think that was her last or second to last season, it was 2017, so yeah, that's the measuring stick. Um, If any team can do something approaching that, then we're gonna, people are gonna immediately wonder whether they can be a dynasty. Well, I mean, we're already talking about it with the Aces who just won their first one after losing two years ago, so. They, they have a long way to go, yeah. let's say that. I don't know. It's going to be really difficult to duplicate what Minnesota did. It it just really is. Because as good as Asia Wilson is, she's still in the beginnings of her career. And we can't talk about her in the same sentence as Maya Moore yet. We just can't. We can't do that with Kelsey Plum and Lindsey Whalen. We can't do those things yet. The potential is there. It would be exciting to watch. I want the I want the Sky for selfish reasons to reload and find their new identity so that we can get those Sky Aces matchups in the regular season in the playoffs like we have for the past two, three seasons that are must-watch TV. If there's another team that that can, you know, get themselves together and really start pulling up, if it's New York, still trying to New York all this intrigue and still have not even made their, their, their first win, haven't been to the finals in a plus, a decade plus, 20 years going on since the Liberty have even made the finals. If that's the team that does it, we're still looking to see all of these things. But I wanted to get straight since we were mentioning um, NBA teams, MNBA teams, sorry that that's our that's our our example that is our control group that Minnesota Lynx
0: team i agree with you i think you should consider the lynx to be a dynasty like winning's hard <laughs> that's why i know that bringing up a like dyna- calling the aces a potential dynasty like seems like a lot right now but there's going to be a lot of movement this offseason it's not coming from the aces end they They set themselves up for another run at this thing. And when we talk about potential dynasties, we can't, and you just brought up New York, and it's another reason why I find the topic to be interesting. There are still teams in the WNBA that are not investing the same type of resources as teams like the Aces and the Liberty. The Aces are going to reload up in ways that go beyond just what they're able to control on the cap sheet. They can offer things that other teams in the league can't offer yet. I think that has to be a part of the equation when we talk about them turning into a potential dynasty, because that's a that's an advantage at this point in the W's short history, right? Just something to think about. Just something. Yes, yeah, true. It's true. But Chris, we can talk a lot about potential dynasties and everything looking into the future, but I think that it's something that Sky fans have been wanting us to talk about a little bit is what does 2023 look like for the Chicago Sky? And what's the likelihood they're able to retain some of the players they had on the roster last season, which I think there's so many things that we can go into with this. So we're, we're going to make this in terms to keep the episode going a little bit, keep it flowing. Let's just talk about the odds that we have in mind for the likelihood that some of these free agents come back to the Chicago sky. I know that a lot of people want to see what this team can do in year two. Um, Some might call it year three, but I think that given some of the newer pieces and how, I mean, it's just a different team than it was from 2021. So let's get into it. Courtney VanderSloot, let's start off with, let's just honestly go one through five and then we'll just go down the roster here. What do you think the odds are that Courtney VanderSloot is going to return to the Chicago sky next season?
1: oh this is tough man we went over this last season right in the off season and then all of the news popped up about what courtney was going to do and what was not what she wasn't going to do she didn't accept the offer she thought it was heinous you know this that and the other but you know, let's be real about it it's been this is she was just finished her 12th season you now plus however many seasons playing overseas there's been a lot of wear and tear. It's been a lot of basketball. And I do think that some of her decision is contingent on Allie Quigley. But I think there's a very good chance that um, Sloot goes to Seattle. Uh, I think that's very easy. That's not necessarily a hot take. But it's, it's there. Sue Bird is retiring. Sue Bird is finally officially retiring. And our 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 homie suit is from Kent, Washington, which is in the state. It's not extremely close to Seattle, but it's not that far either. And that's saying something. We know all the states out West are a lot bigger, mostly bigger than what we've got in the Midwest. So I think it would make a lot of sense for her to go, whether she goes on a one-year deal with an option, whether she goes on a two-year deal, something like that. But I think 40%, I think 40-60, or say 60-40, you know, I'm going to say 60-40 that she goes deep to Washington and uh, 40% that she goes somewhere else, whether whether that's staying with the Sky or going to a different team. There's a few teams I'm sure we could cross off the list, but I think she either goes to Seattle uh, or, or stays with the Sky. There might be one or two teams that she considers past that. I don't think she retires. I think she plays with somebody next season.
0: I agree. She's definitely going to play for someone next season unless prioritization really does force her out. I think that there's like a 38% chance. That's what I wrote down. I think there's a 38% <laughs> chance she comes back to the sky. And it's going to be contingent on a lot of these things happening. It's going to be contingent on all the players that we're about to name being available to come back to the WNBA. And I'm talking about Emma Meesman who does she want to come back okay if she wants to come back is she willing to I don't know how to, how to phrase this like Emma Misaman said during the exit interviews that being close to her family is something that she's going to take in consideration after not having the summer to be to go back to Belgium and be with her family like it's been a long time since she's been able to do that okay so let's just say Emma Misamin is unable to return all right, let's just in a vacuum here. Same thing with Rebecca Gardner. The Spanish league isn't going to change anything because of what the WNBA is doing while other teams potentially are. Those two are gone. And then let's just say Candace and Ali retire. Courtney wants to win, okay? That is something that she has said over and over again. She came close to leaving last off season, apparently. That's something she said in the exit interviews. But there was so many other things on the other side of coming back the 2021 or the 2022 season that was tantalizing, right? You get to yeah. play with Candace Parker again. You get to, again, like, you get potentially at someone like Emma some Miesem You won't have to play as many minutes with Julie Alamon coming in. There was a lot of reasons for Courtney Vandersloot to come in and play out the 2021 season, maybe playing less than what her value is. What would you say would be, like, if Allie retires and there's just a lot of question marks on the, on the roster, like what's her next thing to come back outside of loyalty, which is something that she's very loyal, right? I think there are there are things that would draw her back. But when you look at this team, like, and I don't know how you feel about the rest of the roster, about them returning, but like, when you look at other teams out there that are going to have cap space, I mean, I think it's crazy to think that Courtney VanderSloot isn't in a sky jersey next year
1: no and i was looking through there's a lot of teams with expiring contracts next season um again there's a few places that i don't think that she would go just because they have uh that particular position set but you know we've talked about seattle because of the uh local aspect of of, you know just going home pretty much where she's come from but dt is retiring too and, you know, Phoenix has a lot of room to work. They've got some restricted free agency contracts with Sylvie Cunningham and, maybe, and then there's Megan Gustafson and Shane Petty, both of whom could walk. Or, you know, I'm sure a team would put an offer sheet out to them, but they still have Kia Nurse. They still have Diamond the Shields. They have Breezy Turner. They have some possibilities there playing with Skyler. They have some possibilities there in you know, Arizona. It's not something so that I necessarily look for her to go, but there are teams that, can, that have cap navigability that the Sky, I think, might be wanting to take a backseat since they put this money up last year and see what they can do with, you know, actually playing the people that they have under contract who would be Ruby and Dana, getting them more playing time. And so not necessarily tanking, not retooling, but not necessarily putting all of their chips in for this season, for this upcoming season, as we are going for the championship. We are doing these things. We're getting big name splashy free agents, basically. So I think that there's teams who could command uh, greater contracts. And I think that's the main, that's the main um, motivating factor to answer your question. They'd have she would have to get paid an amount that makes it makes it worthwhile at a certain point, as we're talking about now, you've got to pay these players what they're worth, some high percentage of what they're generating for the league in terms of revenue. So I think that would be the last thing that she, the other factor in in terms of, okay, is, is Courtney going to come back? It's got to be about the contract. And it can't be, a, it's not going to be a long contract, like I said, one or two years, but it's got to be a one or two year deal for you
0: know, 200 plus if she comes back, I kind of feel like she's in a position where she's reached this level of stardom where she can just take one-year contracts and then just reevaluate after every season. She's earned that. She doesn't owe Chicago anything at this point, right? I mean, man, there's a. I joked in the next Slack that I'm like, if Courtney goes to Seattle, then I'm moving to Seattle because I want <laughs> to continue uh, to cover her career. But I really think that that like winning is going to be the thing that matters most and when you look at seattle and the resources that they have i think that's probably an element of it too at the same time like their new facility isn't going to be open until 2024 Courtney might not even be on seattle at that point either like this, in seattle then is going to have to navigate how they're going to work with their contracts given that they just gave mercedes russell a huge deal even though um, I mean, she didn't play that much this year. Given uh, she's dealing with some non, non basketball-related injury, something like that. Um, but Stewie, I mean, Stewie's a free agent, so that's gonna. Be their former teammates, maybe they talk to each other, and maybe they go back with Jewel and make it work. But there is a lot of things working against the sky. I feel like in this case, and that's why I felt like this year, 2022, was going to be a huge year for them because again being able to say that you could potentially go for three in a row versus two out of three like James said at the exit interview I just think there's a different type of power behind those messages so we'll see man we'll see I mean Sue Bird said in her final game I don't know if you saw this when Holly Rowe asked her about the future but she said in like the Seattle storm next year but she said uh I hope whoever comes in next carries on the winning tradition and understands the tradition of excellence that they have in that backcourt. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm at 38%. That's where, where my head's at. Don't rule out Minnesota either, by the way, for free agent. She, she took two meetings last year, Seattle and Minnesota. That was with Sill. still, you know, but I'm intrigued by Minnesota, especially if they get a certain center from South Carolina and draft this upcoming year, but (laughs) we'll see, man. Um, Odds for Allie Quigley. What do you think that she retires? She's coming back. What do you feel? I think it's,
1: it's, it's similar, but almost the opposite with Allie. Her family's here. Her main family's out South, uh, Southwest of the city, and she's put in the work she's the all-star accolades that eluded her at the beginning of her career. She found a spot here and it's been 15 years for Allie, you know, parts of 15 seasons. That I think is that, I think it's time. I think that one's time. Um, I think she, I don't think she would be unwilling to take a more reduced role with the team. And I'm sure that they will, you know, discuss or, or ask her. It's like, Hey, would you be willing to do this if you're coming off the bench? I don't think that that I honestly don't think that that's too much of a problem for Allie. Maybe I'm overstating, but I think just her mindset—she's okay in just about whatever role. Because we assumed at points in the last two years that she was going to have reduced minutes behind either Diamond or Kalia Copper, but I think that this is when she calls it. So I'm going to go. 15, 85, the 15% that she comes back to the sky, 85, uh, 80% that she retires and 5% that she uh, takes a deal with another team. And I think it has to be Courtney and and Allie on the same team at this point. I don't, I don't think that they're playing on different teams.
0: Yeah. I don't think that Allie Quigley is going to play another WNBA game at in another WNBA uniform if she comes back it's coming back with the sky that's I feel pretty strongly about that one but I have a five percent chance that she returns she's not playing in EuroLeague yeah. this year she's not playing in EuroLeague she's taking some time off I do think that's kind of an indication that she's probably going to retire not reporting it not reporting it but I do think that think about how tough it's going to be for someone that like Candice and Allie to come back when they they both talked about like how much it takes to stay in peak condition, to be at the standard that they hold themselves to. There's going to be 40 games in the regular season next year. 40. that's That extra four games matters. This is a veteran team. Last year was a veteran team. Like you said it on the last pod that we did, the sky looked kind of old towards the end of the postseason. And when you look at how James Wade kind of wants to play and I mean I honestly Candace can still she's great in transition Allie also still great in transition but at the same time it's just a lot of miles like you just said and it's just going to be a longer year next year and I just kind of feel that this is kind of the time for Allie to call it quits and last year you know what the financial hit of taking less than what you're worth was probably worth it to go after another championship. But two out of three, as special as that would be, anytime you win one, it's got to be like, God, dude, how many franchises across all sports could, would be just elated by the idea of winning one to ask any suffering franchise how they feel about not even having one. It's important, but I do think that given what she's already accomplished, that, Winning two out of three probably might not probably it potentially might not be the highest part of her priorities at this point in her life as a human, right? Maybe I'm wrong. So, how do you feel about Candace? Like, do you where do you, I so I had five percent. You had um, for Ali Quigley. What was the, you had? What was it again? You had ten percent that she returns.
1: Uh, I had 15.
0: fifteen.
1: I was I was slightly more optimistic than you. were. <laughs> Shocker. Um, <laughs> that is a shocker. I, I, I am definitely the more, I will take it to my grave that I'm the cynic. I am definitely the cynic of, of, of most groups that I'm in. If not, if not this one, Candace, I think there's more because Candace had a great season. Candace had a really good season. You know, she had a really good start to the playoffs. I think that Connecticut beat her, um, like knocked her around, kicked her around a lot. And, you know, being 38, we've seen players older than Candace have quality years. Um, two of those players just retired. But we've seen players at that age have, have good quality seasons, whether it was the beginning of the life of the league or now when things are much different, the game is harder, the game lasts longer, the season lasts longer, I should say. But I keep coming back to what Candace said about not wanting to cheat the game. So it's hard to say. I think we're going to get an answer. Sometime in the next two months, it's going to come before New Year's or or maybe just after. But that's, that's, I think, really when you find out, you take some time off, you hang with your family, you raise your child, you uh, fulfill your commitments to TNT, all this, that and the other. But there's going to be a time where Candace is in the gym working and either she's going to feel like, okay, this is good or not. I know I hate to come back to the MNBA on this, but there's a couple good anecdotes that I've seen um, from one of the better programs that I've ever watched in terms of basketball, which is um, off-court. I think it's NBA off-court um, mm-hmm. where, where, where Ernie Johnson would just bring guys in, uh, mostly TNT guys, but uh, he had Steve Kerr, Shaq, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Kenny Smith, Reggie Miller, all those guys, and they had a segment once about like, when did you know it was time? When did you know it was time to hang it up? And Charles Barkley actually said that when Michael was coming back, when Mike Jordan was coming back in 102, he called Charles and asked him, he was like, hey, I want you to do this with me. And Charles had been uh, retired for a year or two then. And he came back and he's like, Michael, he said, Michael was getting in shape. All I was doing was getting tired. And I was just like, okay, I know this is I know I'm done here. Um, Isaiah, his story was that he would always, before games, relax by the pool. And then it would be like ready to get up and go to the game. And it was just like, okay, I'm gonna go to my routine. He said there was just one day where he was sitting by the pool and his like alarm went off or whatever. And it got to the time and he just didn't want to get out of the chair. <laughs> he just wanted to keep sitting by the pool. And that was what he knew. It was, it was time to, it was time to be done. And uh, there's going to be a moment where Candace, you know, wherever she is, whether it's LA, it's going to be LA because I don't think unless she's coming back for Christmas, she's not hanging in Naperville in December. No disrespect disrespect to Joseph Neighbor, But she's going to be sitting by the pool and she's going to be walking with um, her wife and her daughters and she's going to get a call from somebody or it's going to be time to like practice. And she's going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to practice today. And that'll be it. If that happens. Yeah. That's why I'm saying 35. Because it could happen. You, you've had so much, again, it's the same thing with Ali. so much basketball.
0: Yeah.
1: Over the last, God, going back to high school, going back to college. So over the last... 18, 19 years, just so much basketball. Yeah. And now there's so many other things that she does and she can do. And she watched a good friend of hers retire, Serena Williams, call it, call it and there's just so much around you with this generation that you came up with that it's hard not to be pulled along by those sentiments. So I, I think 35... I don't think Candace plays again. You know, maybe maybe this is being my hubris, but I don't think Candace plays for another team unless she goes back to LA. And she's not going back to LA unless they drastically change something. So uh, I say thirty-five percent that Candace comes back to the team.
0: I'm at thirty-seven percent, along the same lines. Because I what, just- what's with this man? Why aren't you getting these numbers? Why aren't you getting these numbers on the zero or the five? Why,
1: why you gotta be? Why you gotta make this difficult? What's going
0: on? Thirty-eight <laughs> percent. I was like, I put down 35%. I'm like, no, it's a little bit more than that. I'm like, so I'm like, 37%, James, you psycho. <laughs> um, <laughs> she has nothing left to prove, man. And I think the only person that she has anything left to prove is herself. And if she yep. feels like, I want two out of three. I want one more in Chicago. I saw what the potential of this team could be. I feel like I can recruit Courtney Vandersloot to come back. Emma for the same reason, like, hey, Emma just wants to win championships. That's the she told me that before, I believe the God, I think it was towards the regular season. And she's like, I don't care about awards. I just want to win championships. That's always been something that I've cared about more than anything else. And they've got pieces around. Like, they, they have the rights to Rebecca Gardner, essentially. She can only negotiate with them right now. Um, she still has leverage in that situation. But if Candace wants to run things back, I kind of think they – I think, though, that chance of Ali coming back could potentially go up. Potentially, I still think she's probably done. But if Candace feels like she's got nothing left to prove to herself, and the thing that she's been saying, the day that I can't go on the Peloton – and you know she's had eight knee surgeries the day that she can't get on the peloton she's calling it quits it's like you have a new kid and i hate saying that when we come we talk when we talk about women's sports because i don't think we ever really talk about it with men's sports really but i do think that she said she's talked about like what it means to her to be a parent she started a podcast about parenting she knows what that presence means you know being there for your for air, you know, her kid. So a part of me thinks that she's probably calling it quits too. And I think that if she does come back though, my percentages for all these other t- players goes up much more because she is the glue at this point. And I think you can make the case for Ka and Sloot, but talk about the vocal leader of the team, like someone that's like pretty much an assistant coach of the team. Yeah. It's like, I think her voice rings louder than a lot of other people right now and uh that's why i say 37 percent because she's got nothing left to prove to anybody and if i had to guess she probably has nothing left to prove to herself but that's kind of where i'm at with her but emma Mieseman, again i think this is hard i think this is also very contingent on other players coming back so where do you have emma Mieseman in terms of the odds of her coming back
1: Boy, I had I known that Emma was going to say what she said at um, exit interviews, I would have been even more excited that she came to the team in the first place, because I I figured that with the pandemic, it was going to be like, yeah, let's get back. Let's get back into it. Now it's, you know, prioritization makes things so much harder for for players and you've got to bounce back and forth. Which younger players have have already done, but Emma strikes me as a person who loves this game and plays this game, not just as a as a job or career, or you know, like when you're in high school and your counselor says, Well, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? I'll play basketball. I'm pretty good at basketball. I can play basketball. Emma's not playing for that. She's not playing because she like could find something to do with this and just decided to do it necessarily. But it's never going to be the most important thing for her, you know, like the end-all, be-all, like, yes. And I know that that might – I hope it doesn't strike people the wrong way. Because I think that there is a balance between fully committing to what you do as as an athlete, but also not letting it control you. And I, I think that's the best description of, of Emma Mieseman hmm. that I found. I think a, a lot of the players on this, on this team, and, and frankly, in this league are like that. The game doesn't control them.
0: Ooh, that's interesting.
1: And, and so Emma is, is, it's tough for me because, you know, she could go home and play, but she could go home and play. She could go home and fish. She could go home and write books. I don't know where I get that vibe. You,
0: you by. said, though, man, you're talking about home for her overseas versus home being here for people like Diamond Shields or Courtney Vandersloot. You know what I mean? Like, the, to go, to be in, I mean, I guess they're in Sydney right now, but, like, the difference between playing overseas and then going across the pond versus, like, no, going back to the U.S. is, like, home. This is my safe like my base versus again like oh my god wait now i have to go to the united states for 4 months to continue to play in conditions that aren't ideal for professional athletes at this point where we know that it's bad for them and like <laughs> the schedule is going to be more hectic next year like that's a tougher decision that i think people realize and a part of me wonders too that if if the mystics hadn't Signed Myesha Heinz Allen to an extension, whether that money could have then gone towards Emma Miesem in this year, you know, like that, again, I let my mind wander, but um, I just, I think this is going to be tough at the same time. She did say that during the exit interviews that her and Julie Alleman got closer during the season and having her back. Cause I mean, again, she might opt not to play in, the W next season, but if she does, having Julie to be that another, like another Belgium connection to stay within the fold. And I don't know what Ann Waters' situation is, but.
1: Yeah, I wonder about that. I really wonder about that too.
0: So I think that's something to think about. And just to keep the, keep this going a little bit, I look at Azrae Stevens, and I think I'm like, to me, Emma Mieseman, I, I think that she's closer to like that 30, 40% range. I think Ezra Stevens, because I don't I don't know if both Candace and Emma are coming back. I think James Wade could do a lot with Azare Stevens and sees the potential of that. I say that she's coming back. I I think that 70% chance that she comes back and that this guy move forward with them with a the younger team. That's kind of where my gut is at this point. And I say that yeah, Z's back at 70%. She's gonna want a bigger role. She's gonna get that in Chicago and if, again, if Candice retires, if Emma decides to stay overseas or, like, just wants to take a break, which would be understandable. I think Ezra Stevens comes back and fills in one of those roles because the Sky have the money to keep her here, and I know that she loves Chicago. So I think those are two things that I keep in mind with this. But where do you land with Z coming back to the Sky?
1: I think there's a really high chance. Uh, I think that's part of the reason that also we, did, we haven't mentioned that Candace. Could walk away too because they have Azurae Stevens, um, and that the sky, you know, Candice is still a generational talent. Bringing home, having her on your team, makes you a contender for a deep playoff run, if not a championship contender. But I think because of the fact that they have Azurae Stevens on the team, and she's had these two years to develop with Candice, as well as now with Ann Waters too, to some degree, is. Why, the, why they could feel okay not having Candice on the team. But I think there's a good chance that Z comes back, uh, personally because of what we, we talked about before. Allie quickly made $135,000 this season. If she retires, that's off the books. If Courtney VanderSloot retires or goes to another team, then $195,000 is off the books. Right there, you freed up $300,000-plus. And as Ray Stevens... I think made 140. Let me look at this. Z was making 140 last season. So if she wants to up her salary, and you can you can look at numbers, but we know that Azrae Stevens has has done not not reached her ceiling yet. I I think that she she could command 160 170 this coming off season. Now it, and then you have those two Holy players. God. If they if they go, then the sky have that money free.
0: Man, I mean, Mercedes Russell just got 180, I want to say, over – I mean, Azari Stevens definitely has to command a contract like that. Look at – I mean, again, you gotta. the market gets so skewed when you look at some extreme cases like Maisha Hines-Allen. Like, she would not get the same contract she got if she was entering free agency this year. But she did set the market kind of for a big that could stretch the floor – and as ray stevens probably is going to benefit from that i think the Sky. i agree i 100 agree with you she's going to fit within the salary cap if she wants to return if the sky wanted to bring her back at that mark which i think would i don't really look at the other teams out there and be like okay you know what like in terms of what c can do and what james values as a coach bigs that can stretch the floor um just versatile players let's just even take a step yeah. back just versatile players.
1: I I think you're right there, Biggs who can. I know they they want the versatility, but I think they like. I think he's particularly likes having Biggs that can stretch the floor like that.
0: And if Julie or Dana is the point guard for this upcoming season, let's just say you roll with that. I mean, it gives you so much flexibility. And I paused for a second while you were like, while you said that, like Courtney. Let's just say that she goes to Seattle, like everyone thinks that she's going to. I thought about okay, could you do a sign and trade with her that Jewel Lloyd comes to Chicago? One of the things that I got stuck on though is that can you have two cord players on the same team because Kalia Copper's cord, and I think that might actually stop Jewel Lloyd from being oh, able to yeah. come to Chicago. I would I would have to check that out, but yeah, in terms of bringing you back to Z, like yeah, you're right. There's going to be money for her to make in this league, and I think Chicago would be wise to retain her moving forward just because that I think that she can definitely be a contributor in this league. She's gotten better with each season. So I would be surprised if they didn't make that bet. Like James Wade has over and over again with these players. Like he did he bet on Ka early, he bet on Rebecca Gardner, he bet on Ezra Stevens. I mean, these are the kind of moves that James Wade likes to make. And he's going for a championship every time, you know, whether that is going to be achievable this year given the circumstances. I think is left to be determined, as it always is. It's going to be a completely different league next year. I think, actually, I think even Rachel Galligan said that. I think this has been something everyone's been talking about the last couple of weeks. But like, this is going to be a different league next year with different faces going to different teams. It's going to be crazy. But um, how about Rebecca Gardner? How do you? Um, I think she's an interesting position because she's a reserve free agent. Which means that she is only going to be able to negotiate with this guy because she's played less than three years in the league. And oh, okay. So, I think that she could easily start for this team next year too. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. We I think the only thing that's holding her back is is what you uh, you alluded to that she mentioned at the exit interviews too. You play ten years overseas, you build yourself a life. So she's got a life overseas. Um, whether you know no matter how well she fit over here. And she fit in very well. I think her increased profile is a big deal. I think the fact that the fans took to her so well is a big deal. The fact that she really put everybody in the league, everybody in the league, I'm going to say everybody in the league again, on notice with her play style. And she still got room to improve. I think that's the big thing. She still has a lot of room to improve. She didn't have much of a jump shot beyond uh, 10 or 11 feet. And that's something that she can really build on, and I think that there's some um, ability for her to get to the free throw line more. But she could be a starter in this league for at least half of the teams, and with expansion coming, there's a lot of groups that could want a Rebecca Gardner on their team. But I think that this guy would be very wise to retain her services. I know James Wade has had a, had her eye on her, had his eye on her before, for a long time before he picked her up. So I think that that's probably eighty. 75-80% well, that, that Rebecca Gardner comes back for sure. I, I think that that's her and Z are the players that you absolutely have to get back on the roster to call yourself a playoff contender.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I do think that I'm curious how she's going to approach it because I mean she was the Spanish League MVP last year. I mean, she's someone that is definitely <laughs> capable of I mean, she's recognized as one of the best players in the world over there, right? Like, and that is, I know I say that phrase a lot, but I'm keep hammering down that point. It's like, if you have success all around the world and Rebecca Gardner, now that she's, what she's done in the WNBA in terms of locking people down on the perimeter, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm calling her one of the best players in the world. She has proven to be that that point. Um, At least defenders, I mean, my God. Um, And what, and it's also like, thinking about how different it is driving, getting to the rim when you're overseas and they don't have any defensive three-second roles. Centers can just stay there forever and swat anything they want. And Rebecca Gardner still finishing at the rim despite that. And, you know, one of the things she told me, too, when I interviewed her back in, I believe it was June, it was that she said that. Her mid-range shot is something that she loves to go to, and it's not something that she's she's gotten a chance to show off with this sky yet. But that, like, she know like her three-point shot or mid-range shot, like those are things that she feels comfortable with. And if she if you up her minutes to thirty minutes a game, like, man, you're people going to see more of that. I mean, again, being coming off the bench versus being the starter, I mean, they're just different. It's a different mentality. Um, you're, more offense is run through you as someone that starts or closes I think is the better way of putting it I mean
1: I wouldn't have expected her to say that because we I've only seen Rebecca Gardner what I saw this year I would not have figured that she had the outside shot like that honestly
0: yeah you know it's not like she's Allie Quigley or anything but you know she can shoot I think it's something she's working on obviously but even this version of Rebecca Gardner is good enough to start in the W next year. And if, if the sky don't care as much or they don't think that three point shooting is necessarily the end all be all like, Hey, I understand wanting to have two players that can attack the rim, like Ka and Rebecca playing at the end of games. I mean, you've got, you give yourself so much flexibility when you do that, but can I actually, this is off script. Can I ask you or quote unquote off script, but I got to ask you, do you think Lee do you think Lee is on this team next year? Oh man, I wanted to be. I really wanted to be. And they have a multi year
1: contract with her. Yeah. So suspending that contract or, or negating it would be kind of silly. I guess I think some of that is dependent on the league, right?
0: Yeah, there's that too. I mean, it's an unprotected contract. So that helps them just being able to get rid, like it won't impact the salary cap, but man. I was intrigued by Lee. I thought that she was too a little bit too slow to be able to keep up with a lot of the aggressive hedging that the guy do, and like hedge and recover. Like that's hard to do when she's just not the quickest person in the world. But I don't. I don't think we're going to see Lee in a Chicago Sky uniform next year. I'd be pretty surprised. Wow. Just given the yeah. comments that James Wade had publicly about the whole situation, which he was totally in the right about that. Let's not be wrong. Like. Han Shu got to play in the national or get to play in the first round, but Lee has to come back. I mean, it's not like she wasn't playing during practice, right? Like she she obviously wasn't getting tick during the games, but like man, what James told me at the time, he was saying that there was no indication that this was ever like that they understood what the like what the situation was, and it just didn't turn out the way that the way that. The organization wanted so but i'd be surprised to see lee on the, the roster but well um,
1: i gotta go with that then i i think it it i won't call it trash but it sucks <laughs> like we <laughs> have a, it's not it can't go that far it just it sucks because i think we all have high hopes um players like to see lee come in the game not just because she, you know, if she was in the game, it usually meant that the sky were up by a lot. I think I think fans really took to her, um, you know, for for the potential that she had, from what she brought to the team, uh, possi- you know, the possibilities for the future. I think that's a big deal. Like, this team's fans really want their new players to succeed, whether they are, whether we've seen them play and, and what they can do, and whether they know the ins and outs of what, what can happen or not. And so I, I, it really sucks that I think you're right. I got to go with that. I don't think that that Lee's going to get it. Uh Lee's going to come back. And that's that's a real shame.
0: Ugh. this entire season has just been so chaotic and uh the fact I I totally had spaced on the whole league drama when when preparing for this podcast. So I'm like, "Oh right, Sky like had Lee and I just don't know what they do with that whole situation after what happened." So, um, Chris, we are an hour and twenty minutes into this podcast. Um, we hold off on. Do you have any World Cup thoughts before we wrap up the show?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, well, actually, I guess I'll, I'll throw it back to you, which is very bogus. But I think who challenges the U.S. in this? You, you said in the pre-show they have a twenty-two game win streak. They haven't lost this thing since two thousand six. Um, I don't know if anybody's that good enough to keep up with them whether they're naturalized citizen or whether the other companies countries are coming up i think i felt more in the last um soccer world cup no sorry it was the olympics it was the women's team in the olympics because i think we were looking at the men's and women's sides and and saying like oh you know this could be a lot closer than we think i don't necessarily feel that way anymore so if there's a country that you think could challenge the u.s for this title would it be i think they're winning i'll say that
0: belgium their first matchup and they are a physical team and cheryl Reeve was also someone that brought up like hey like that's a team you can't take for granted um i kind of think that belgium's probably the one that could test them the most and japan too I i don't think that they you can take them for granted but I think Belgium and they, I, I believe that's actually their first game of the world cup is going to yeah. be against Belgium. So Emma Mieseman and Kalia Copper and Julie Alman are going to all be playing against each other. That's going to be fun. I mean, Julie and Emma will be on the same team and Ka will obviously be playing for team USA, but that'll be interesting to see those two clash. It just, I'm still not over the sky, not being in the finals, man. Like <laughs> man, I don't have a rooting interest, but when you have a team as talented as them, I'm like, God, I just, whatever, whatever. But that's kind of where my head is at with the world cup. I'm not someone that knows a ton, but what I've read and what I've talked to, who I've talked to, like people, I think Belgium is the the number one team probably or like that is going to challenge the U S the most. Um, Chris, Hey, we gave the people a long ass episode of the Skyhook. I'm going to New York next week, so I'm not going to be Um, the the city or the state. Oh, the city! Um, I'm going to be uh, go
1: see some Buffalo.
0: (laughs) Hard pass on. uh, I got (laughs) to. I got to explore New York. I haven't been. I didn't get a chance to do it when I was in Brooklyn for the first round of the playoffs. So, I'm excited to. Yeah, me and my girlfriend celebrating seven years together. So. That'll be it'll be fun. But um, yeah, I have so, I, we got to talk to you about some offseason coverage uh, for this podcast because I got a couple ideas got to throw to you. But before we even share them with the rest of the audience, we just really thanks for tuning into this episode of the show. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at the Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time. That is the Mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on social media, you can do so by checking the episode description. You can also find our Venmo there if you want to make a financial contribution. Absolutely no shame if you can't or don't want to do that, but it is an option if you do want to do that. And if you could take a second to rate, interview the show, wherever you get your pods, that would help us out so much. And yeah, really, thank you so much for listening. Chris, great chatting with you, man.
1: As always, and I want to say, um, one last thing, in lieu of our tweet segment, uh, I want to say something definitively to all our listeners, and I hope that you share this to anybody uh, else who listens. Asia Wilson is going to be the face, if not one of the main faces of this league in the next five years. Deal with it, get over it. It's, you know, you're not going to have, things are changing. Things are damn sure changing. And I love the fact that she is going to be one of those players. She's one of the five best uh, women's basketball players in the world. She's one of the 20 best basketball players in the world, maybe even 10. And the fact that she is still hood rich till, until, until the, the day is, she's as hood rich as the day is long. And I love it. I fucking love it. I hope it's all going up in that parade in Vegas, no matter how I feel about Vegas or, or, their, or the aces of their fans, hope is going all the way up. Asia at that press conference was fired. And I think when I, when I say she is the consensus first pick in my playground pickup basketball uh, game, which will be played at the 63rd Street Beach Lakefront Courts in Chicago, I want everybody to understand just what that means. Because it's not just about playing basketball. It's whether you are fun to play basketball with. or It's whether you can embody that summer. It's whether you can take 20 minutes in between games and go eat or holler at your people or go smoke one on the sideline. Asia could do all those things and still give you a smooth 16 and nine in a game to 34. (laughs) Y'all got to deal with it. Everybody out there in Connecticut, you see me looking at you, y'all going to have to deal with that. Asia Wilson is the the new face of the league. It's over. To quote Paul Heyman, accepted That's all I had to say.
0: We definitely had to talk about that whole face of the league thing down the road because I have so many thoughts about it that I'm sure that we're probably on the same page about it. But um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought. We didn't have the Azray or Ka segment today, so we'll. You know, we gave you an hour and thirty minutes of this, so hopefully that'll tide you over to the next show. But <laughs> <laughs> until then, thanks for listening to the show and. Until next time.